What's up, y'all? Seriously? None of you guys are excited tonight? My goodness, three people were excited to hear the Word of God tonight. Anyways, guys, we are wrapping up uh, this series that we've been in, There He Said It. Uh, if you guys were here week one, I told you that if you came out to all four weeks of this series, then it would bless you, it would encourage you, and it would help you have a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but it has done that for me in my life, and I hope that it has blessed you in your life. And if not, we're just getting started on week four, so there's still time, okay? Uh, week one, we talked about how to love our enemies. Week two, my boy Josh came up here and preached an amazing message about being born again. Week three, my boy Corey preached an amazing message about ask and you shall receive. And tonight, we are leaning into one of the scariest scriptures in all of the Bible, in my opinion, as Jesus is wrapping up uh, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he says something extremely shocking. He says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, and that there may be a day where you meet Jesus face to face, and he might say, away from me, you evildoer. That's scary. That is extremely, extremely scary. And some of you might be thinking right now, Chris, if Jesus, if God, is full of love, full of grace, full of compassion, full of forgiveness, like I've heard my entire life, how in the world could he say something so hurtful to one of his children that he might say, away from me, you evildoer, I never knew you? How could he say that? And I want to I first start off tonight by saying there is no debating that God is full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of forgiveness. After everything that he's done for us, there's no debating that he is that. But he is also a just God. And he's also a righteous God. And there will be a day of judgment. And we're going to find out here in a little bit through scripture that we have to do the will of the Father. Like we have to be living in the will of the Father. Okay? And, and then... We may come to heaven, and we might meet Jesus face to face, and he might say, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, but we're going to be leaning into this idea of having an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, and you guys have heard this at the, at the collective before. If you guys go to the crossing on a weekend service, you've heard this at the crossing. This is the heartbeat of what we do, that we want to help people find an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're going to be diving into that idea tonight. But I want to start off by talking about my wife. I don't think I've ever talked about my, love you, Jen, I don't think I've ever talked about my wife on stage before, and I want to do it tonight, okay? And so most of you, I think, know me and my wife. If not, my name is Chris Hickman, and my wife's name is Jenna Hickman, and she was just right over here singing, walking back and forth like this, worshiping her heart out, loved it. Um, but anyways, that's my wife, and uh, I want to give you guys a little backstory of me and my wife. Me and my wife have known each other since we were three years old, okay? And there is a picture of us when we were three years old, but you can barely see me, and she's taller than me, and I'm not going to expose myself like that at the collective in front of all you guys. So, but we've known each other since we were three years, kind of take my word for it. Uh, and when we were three, I knew Jenna Wabel at the time. Her name was Jenna Wabel. And then when we got a little bit older, we were maybe five, six, seven. I knew Jenna Wabel. In fact, I had a crush on Jenna Wabel when we were five, six, seven. But she had a crush on the teacher, so I had no hope. 
Um, and then in junior high, I knew Jenna Wabel. I can actually uh, imagine myself at one of my basketball games staring up in the stands and seeing Jenna at one of my basketball games. She came to pretty much all my home basketball games. Uh, again, not for me, for another guy on the team, but that's besides the point. Uh, and then in high school, I knew Jenna Wabel. Jenna Wabel was smoking hot in high school. And uh, again, she came to most of my home basketball games. Again, not for me, but that's besides the point. Um, and towards the end of high school, beginning of college, me and Jenna started to form a relationship. Now we, like I said, we've known each other since we were three, so we would say hi to each other in public, and you know, we might shoot each other a text every once in a while, or a kick. Any of you guys remember kick? Yeah, we might, we might have sent a kick or two to each other, um, but nothing crazy. And then, uh, like I said, towards the end of high school, beginning of college, we started to form a relationship. We started to talk a little bit more, uh, but it was a super surface-level relationship. Uh, I would text her every once in a while and see how she's doing. She would text me and say how I'm doing. We would maybe make a plan to hang out every once in a while, but pretty surface-level. But that relationship progressed and we started dating, and we got to know each other a little bit more, and we started talking about our feelings and stuff, and that was great. And that relationship progressed into me getting down on one knee and asking her to spend the rest of her life with me. She said yes, praise God. And then that turned into uh, us standing at the altar saying I do, and that has now progressed into this summer three years of amazing marriage, and it's been the best three years of my life. I love my wife to death. And today, as I'm standing on this stage, as my wife is sitting somewhere in these stands right here, uh, me and my wife, we have an intimate personal relationship with each other. We have a deep understanding of each other. We have a deep connection with each other. Nobody in this world knows me more than Jenna knows me. Nobody in this world knows Jenna more than I know Jenna. We have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with each other. I think about Jenna all day. When she's at work, I'm blowing up her phone, texting her and calling her, and she's like, Chris, relax. Okay, I'm going to see you when we get home. But that is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants with each and every one of you. He wants an intimate, personal relationship. And there are some people here today, and you just know Jesus. And I could have stayed just knowing Jenna my entire life. And we could have known each other, and Jenna would have been the girl that I knew. And some of you, you know Jesus. But you don't have a relationship with him. It's just, yeah, I've heard of Jesus. Yeah, I come to the collective every once in a while, and I hear about Jesus. Some of you have a relationship with Jesus, but it's a surface-level relationship with Jesus, and you only stop in every once in a while and say, hey, how you doing, or tell him about your problems every once in a while, or open up the Bible every once in a while and see what he has to say. Um, it's a surface-level relationship. Now, some of you have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, and I guarantee you that if I brought up everybody in this room that has an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus and gave them the mic, they would say, I'm in love with Jesus, and I wish that I would have started my intimate, personal relationship with Jesus sooner. Every single person, okay? I wish it, and I'm sure everybody else here who has an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus would say the exact same thing. But our world, we've got it twisted. And we've got it twisted to the point where we think that if I go to church, then I'm good. I can just go to church and I can call it good. And I might ruffle some feathers here, but it's going to be really, really, really hard to convince me that you're a Christian and that you love Jesus if all you do is go to the collective on Tuesday nights or go to church on Sundays or Thursdays and that's it. 
that's going to be really, really, really hard to convince me or other people that you're a Christian, okay? And I want to prove it in Scripture here, okay? So we are hanging out in Matthew chapter 7 today. Uh, We're going to start off in verse 15, and we're talking about true and false prophets. It says, now, hang on, before I get into this, this, there's a tongue twister in this, okay? So if I get it mixed up, don't laugh at me. Bear with me, okay? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I got through it. Okay. So, what I just heard from that is that there are true prophets and false prophets. Likewise, there are true Christians and there are false Christians. Okay? But to recognize them, we have to understand God's word. Okay? This says that these false prophets, they'll come to you in sheep's clothing. They'll come to you humble, loving, and gracious. But, inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. And we have to watch out for them. But we won't be able to watch out for them. We won't be able to recognize them if we don't understand God's word and if we don't understand what good fruit and bad fruit is. In another translation, it says you'll be able to tell them by their actions. Okay? You'll be able to tell them by their actions. Are they living out what God's word calls them to live out? In the next set of verses here, we're going to read that we have to live out the will of our Father. Are they living out the will of the Father? Some of you might say the will of the Father is to go to church, is to read our Bible, is to pray, is to serve. That's great. That is definitely what God calls us to, 1,000%. I'm not arguing that. That is what Jesus calls you to. But I think that there's a deeper uh, meaning when this scripture right here is saying we have to do the will of our Father. And before I say anything else, if you guys don't catch anything, if you guys don't catch anything else that I say, catch this. There is an eternal difference. There's an eternal difference between knowing God and having an intimate personal relationship with him. Okay? Eternal difference. And we have to have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. Next set of scripture, it's in Matthew 7. We're going to jump into 21, verse 21. This is talking about true and false disciples. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who, do that, who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. In, in today's world, we could translate this same scripture, we could say, but Lord, did I not go to the collective every Tuesday? Did I not go to church every Sunday? Did I not serve in kids' ministry? Did I not have a Bible verse in my Instagram bio? Did I not tell people about you? And Jesus says, sorry, I never knew you. But why would he say that? It's because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. The will of our Father is that we have a relationship with Jesus, not so that we go to church. It is laughable. 
to think that Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could read your Bible. No. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could have a relationship with him. There's a problem in this world, and it's called sin, and you have it, and I have it. And the sin that we have has separated us from Jesus, has separated us from God, has separated us from heaven and eternal life with him. But there's a solution, and the solution is Jesus on the cross. And Jesus did not die on the cross for you to go to the collective or for you to read your Bible or for you to raise your hands during worship. Jesus died for you on the cross so that you could cross over that gap that you've made and that you could have a relationship with Jesus. And there's a big difference between being obedient to God and doing things because we love God. Okay, let me give you an example of what something would be uh, for us being obedient to God would look like. Okay, us being obedient to God, we wake up and we say, man, I really don't want to read my Bible, but I'm going to do it because I need to be obedient. That's, that's great. Okay, uh, hey, I don't want to pray right now, but I'm going to pray because I know that I, that's something that I should do, and so I'm going to be obedient to God in that way, so I'm going to pray. That's great. But it has to, we have to take a step further. See, doing things for Jesus like praying, like reading our Bible, like going to church, like serving, like telling people about him, that may, start off, that may start off as obedience. But it can't stay that way. If it stays that way, then that means we don't have a relationship with Jesus. We have to have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And when we come into that relationship with Jesus, we fall in love with Jesus and we start to desire to do those things. And we stop doing them out of obedience and we start doing them out of love. And there gets to be a point where you say, man, I cannot wait to wake up in the morning and spend time with Jesus and just sit in the presence of the creator of the heavens and the earth and sit in, in the presence of the creator of you and I. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to abide in Jesus? Why would you not want to rest in his presence? Why do we get so caught up in our busy lives that we leave the presence of Jesus? That tells me that we don't have an intimate personal relationship with him. Because if we had a relationship with him, we would never want to leave his presence. But we do things out of obedience. We say, all right, I'm going to read my Bible, but I'm going to read a chapter, and that's it because i got to go. Or we say, all right, I'm going to listen to a chapter in my car because i got to go, and this is the only time I'm going to be able to get it in. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm, that's good. But we have to take it a step further, and we have to start spending time with Jesus out of our love for him. We have to. If we don't, then we got a big problem. Like if we cannot wait to hang out with Jesus, then we got a big problem. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And we get that reversed. We get that flipped sometimes. And we try and read our Bibles, and we try and pray, and we try and go to church, and we try and serve, and we try and tell people about Jesus, and we try and do all these, these things that Christians do, and then we hope that Jesus will be added to us because we've done that. But this scripture right here is telling us to seek first God and his kingdom, and then the rest will be added. The going to church, that will be added to it. 
The reading our Bible, that will be added to it. The spending quiet time with Jesus, that will be added to it. The telling people about Jesus, that will be added to it. When we seek Jesus, and when we have an intimate personal relationship with him, when we never want to leave his presence, we start to have this desire. This desire to get in his word. This desire to abide in him and to rest in him and to tell him about what we're going through and, 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 to, and to just sit there in awe of who he is because we're so in love with him instead of being obedient. We have to have a burning desire to be in love with Jesus. We have to have a burning desire to, to run to him to spend time with him. That's what an intimate personal relationship looks like. I have a burning desire to spend time with my wife because I love her, because she's my best friend. And I love my wife so, so much. And some of you guys are probably like, Chris, relax about your wife. As much as I love my wife, I love Jesus more. I love him so much more. Listen, guys, I, I suck. I fall short every single day. I sin every single day. I am so far from having my life put together. So far from it. But if there is one thing that is true about Chris Hickman, it is that I am in love with Jesus. It is that I cannot wait to spend time with Jesus. It is that I love preaching up here on this stage because the Holy Spirit is moving through me. This isn't me who's talking to you right now. If I have a conversation with you, it's a lot different than me sitting up here and preaching to you guys. I feel the Holy Spirit in me. And I love being close to him. I love being in his presence. The Bible tells us to hide his word in our heart. And if I'm just being transparent with you guys, I really, really struggle. I'm a pastor, and I really, really struggle with memorizing scripture. Like, I know a lot of scripture, but I can't tell you the, the, the book that it came out of and the chapter that it's in and the verse that it is. I, I struggle with that. But I love worship music. I love worship music. And so I'll hide lyrics in my heart. And when I'm tempted, I'll start quoting those lyrics over my life and start running to Jesus and start pursuing Jesus. And when we pursue Jesus, the enemy flees. When we are close to Jesus, the enemy flees. And some of you guys, you're stuck in temptation right now. And you're like, man, how do I get out of this? I'm tired of being tempted. I'm tired of the devil coming at me day after day. If you want to get away from that, you've got to be close with Jesus. You've got to be close with Jesus. The, the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus has a burning desire for you. He has a burning desire for you. He wants you so badly. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you, and he wants you to love him back. He loves you enough to die on the cross for you, and he wants you to love him back so badly. But we, as flawed humans, look for every excuse as to why we're not good enough to come to Jesus. We look for every excuse as to why we're not good enough. Man, Chris, I'm telling you, you don't know how much I sin. Seriously. There's no way that Jesus wants a relationship with me. Man, Chris, if you knew what I did when nobody else was around, you would understand. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're sitting in this place today and you hate God. 
He wants a relationship with you. He wants an intimate, personal relationship with you. He wants you to fall in love with him because he loves you. He wants you to be close to him. He wants you to have a burning desire to be in relationship with him. And as I was preparing for this message, i got to be honest with you guys, I was struggling. I was struggling with, with getting ready for this message because this isn't a message that you break down into three to five parts and you say, okay, here's three to five things you can take and you can go away and you can apply them to your life or not apply them to your life. I don't know if you guys apply those things to your life. Maybe sometimes you do, maybe sometimes you don't. But this isn't something that, that, that's like that. This is something that's like you get it or you don't. You get it or you don't. You either have a burning desire to be in love with Jesus or you don't. And some of you, I really believe that you have had a burning desire, that you do have a burning desire to fall in love with Jesus, but maybe you're scared. Maybe you're scared to fully lean into that relationship because you're afraid that you'll lose friends. You're afraid, you're afraid that people might think that you're weird or people might say that you've changed or whatever it may be. Or maybe you honestly just really love sin and you don't want to give it up. But I do believe that you have a burning desire to be in love with Jesus, to lean into a relationship with him. And man, I urge you, don't wait. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He has to be the main source of our joy. He has to be. Without Jesus being the main source of our joy, we tend to run to worldly things to fill our joy to fill the, the holes inside of us, to fill the hurt, to fill the pain that we have experienced through just life. And we're like, man, I've had a long day, so I think I'm just going to knock a couple beers back tonight and get drunk. Man, my friends are going out tonight, so I think I'm going to go out with them. And I know that it's a bad crowd. I know it's people I shouldn't be hanging out with. But, man, I could really use a night out. I could really just use a good time. Man, I'm really stressed out. So I think I'm just going to take a hit, maybe two, maybe three, just to relax myself, just to ease, ease the stress a little bit. What do you find your joy in? Is it things of this world? Or is it the, the savior of the universe? Is it the creator of you and I? Is it the source of all joy? I think that some of us don't understand that, that Jesus is the source of all joy. And instead of going to him, we go to the things of this world. We have to start running to Jesus to find our joy. And some of us, this is what we're like. Can you guys see this line right here? This is going to be my imaginary line of sin. Right here, okay? And this is where we are. We're right on the fence. And on Tuesdays at 7.30, we're over here. We're worshiping Jesus. We got our hands raised. We got no problem telling people about Jesus here. And it's great. And the Holy Spirit's moving. And I feel so close to him, but the second we walk out to our car, we're right back here. And we're like, yeah, cool. And then on Monday, we're like right here, we're like, eh. Tuesday, eh, 7.30, yup, 
Wednesday, eh. Thursday, eh. Friday, I think my friends are going out tonight. So I think I'm going to come over here and have, have a good time tonight. Saturday, oh, I think my friends are going out again tonight. I think I'm going to come over here. Sunday, oh, yeah, I'm back in church worshiping. And we're teetering and tottering this line of sin. We're on the fence. Jesus doesn't call us to be on the fence. I have people come up to me all the time and say, hey, Chris, uh, is this a sin or is this not a sin? Like, where's the line? And I just think that that's so funny. I always tell them, you should not be playing with the line of sin. You shouldn't be playing with the line of sin. So many of us, we want to get as close to the line of sin as we can without actually sinning. But the reality of it is, is that Jesus isn't close to the line of sin. Jesus is where holiness is. Jesus is where righteousness is. Jesus is where perfection is. And if we're close to Jesus, then the line of sin looks like a dot to us. Because the line of sin looks like a dot to Jesus. And if we're close to Jesus, then we don't have a desire to be close to this line of sin. We don't have a desire to teeter-totter, I'm over here with Jesus, I'm over here with the world, I'm right here in the middle, I don't know what to do. Tonight, church, we have to run to Jesus. We have to. We have to pursue him with everything that we got. We have to knock over this fence. We have to get away from this imaginary line of sin, and we have to run to Jesus because he is the source of love, the source of joy, the source of happiness, the source of peace, the source of grace, the source of forgiveness. He's the source of everything. He's putting the breath inside of your lungs right now. He's the reason you're here. He's the reason that you feel uncomfortable right now. He's the butterflies in your stomach. He's everything. He's all around us, and all we have to do is lean into Jesus. That's all we have to do. All we have to do is accept that he loves us more than anything, that he created you, that he made you fearfully and wonderfully. It's so simple. But yet we make it so hard sometimes. Because this world is pulling on us. It's pulling on us. And we need to get that out of here. We need to push the world aside. We need to get this fence out of here, and we need to run to Jesus tonight. Tonight, those of you in here tonight that, that don't have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, come into a relationship with him tonight. Say, Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I love you. I have a burning desire to be close to you, to be near to you to have a deep connection with you, to have a deep understanding of you. Father, I want you, and I understand that you want me. You can come up here to these steps tonight. These steps are going to be open. You can come up here on these steps, and you can, you can get down on your knees. You can say, Father, I'm done. I'm done living the life that the world calls me to live. I'm done being a fake Christian. I'm done acting like I love you. I'm done going back and forth on this line of sin, on this fence. I'm pursuing you. I'm surrendering everything to you. Because I realize how bad I need you. Because I love you. 
And when we do that, there's rejoicing in heaven. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, and when we repent, when we turn away from this world, and we turn towards Jesus, man, there's rejoicing in heaven. And so I don't know how the Holy Spirit's moving in your life tonight, but I want to encourage you, however he's calling you to respond, do it. Maybe he's calling you to respond right in your seat. That's cool. Maybe he's calling you to come up here to these steps. That's cool. Maybe he's calling you to get in that water over there and confess, Jesus, I love you. And I'm, I'm surrendering everything to you. I'm committing right now, right here, to give my life to you. I know he's calling you to do something because the Holy Spirit doesn't call us to stay right where we're at. He calls us to get, out, get us outside of our comfort zone. He calls us to take a step closer to him, and it would be a shame for all of us to come in here to worship our guts out, to hear the word of God, and to do nothing, and to leave here the same way we came out, came in. It'd be a shame. And so however the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, respond tonight. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Father, you are so good, and we, we don't deserve you. But you sent your son to die on the cross for us anyways. Father, I pray that you move in our hearts tonight, that you move in our lives in a big way. I pray that we set aside this world and we pursue you today with everything that we got, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.